Welcome to the Big Unlock Podcast, where we discuss digital transformation and emerging technologies in healthcare. Here, some of the most innovative thinkers and leaders in healthcare and technology talk about how they are driving change in their organizations. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to my podcast. This is Patty. We are starting a new series that we're calling Coronavirus Conversations, where we're going to feature healthcare leaders, especially those who are leading IT in large health systems and healthcare organizations, on how they're responding to the crisis. Today is March 20th, and it is my honor and privilege to introduce my first guest for these series, John Kravitz, CIO of Geisinger Health Plan and Health System. John, thank you so much for setting aside some time and joining us. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Patty. I appreciate the opportunity to speak with you. So, John, quickly, can you tell us what is the situation at Geisinger? How many COVID-19 cases have come in and how are they being screened and tested? Yeah, so we uh, at Geisinger Health System, we have quite a few different, uh, the number keeps changing by the hour, but uh, we've had a number of of COVID-19 confirmed cases. Some have come into our acute care system and others are being treated in the ambulatory settings. But as I stated, the, the numbers have, have continued to increase in the state of Pennsylvania. My last count was 158 patients had tested positive for COVID-19. We have within our areas quite a few of those patients. And again, most are in ambulatory. Some that are very, very sick are in the acute setting and some have actually expired. So not unusual happening all over the country, unfortunately. But uh, we've had our cases, and and how are they being screened and tested? We, like others, we've set up uh, screening tents and treatment tents. Try to keep those patients outside of our ED settings uh, to avoid infection to other people. We've used a lot of new technology to support that. Well, not new technology, but technology as in iPads with FaceTime, so that people can do work at their existing workstations. As an example, registration people can get into communication with the patients. Not everybody has to be in the tent and exposed to things. And so uh, this actually minimizes for us the, the PPE because they are becoming in short supply, especially masks, even level one and level three masks, not including the N95 masks. But uh, these, these are all things that we've set up. So we have 11 campuses, 13 hospitals in our system and 11 campuses. So we've set up these screening and treatment tents in every one of them with all the technology. So they've got, you know, workstations on wheels. They've got printers for uh, lab labels and things like that. Patient wristbands, everything you can imagine. It's like a mass unit. Right. So it's, it's been established. Right. And you've developed your own test too. Is that right? Yes, we have. We have. We were the one of the first in the state of Pennsylvania. I think we were one of two actually that, that could do their own testing. We got validation from the state. So we were cleared to uh, to begin our testing process. The challenge is the test kits. There just aren't enough test kits for all the requests coming through. So we've been using a triage uh, process. We use a bot that helps us considerably on our website. We direct patients to that. Communication goes out through our patient portal as well to uh, let people know what the process is. They can access that bot there. But it goes through a nurse triage hotline where they go through a number of questions with the patients and then set up appointments to be screened. 
That's great. So <laughs> the bot has been one of the new tools that uh, you've introduced to respond to the crisis. Anything else that uh, you've had to do in terms of launching a new tool or uh, reconfiguring any existing tool or technology in order to uh, respond to the crisis? We actually have. So that, that particular tool with the bot is called Syllable. We've looked at a number of other tools. We have some in testing, proof of concept testing, but haven't had them all fully deployed yet. Our concern uh, mainly has been, you know, responding to this crisis is getting people access to work from home so that we can do social distancing so the disease doesn't spread across our, our employee platform. So anyone that's, that's actually a non-clinician can work from home in our environment and clinicians can as well when they don't have to have direct patient care. So part of our process has been, you know, um, establishing connectivity, remote from home workers. We use VMware's VDI. When people are in contact centers and they need to make phone calls, uh, we provide a Meraki type device, which is, is basically, it's a, an IP addressable device that uh, allows them to work at home effectively. We do not allow printers at home because of PHI or credit card processing machines at home because of PCI, things like that. But we take measures with that and, and provide access so that our employees can be separated. So, for example, in a, in a contact center or call center where um, we may, may be making appointment calls for our patients, if we have 300 people in a contact center, we will move 100 of those people to the home setting, providing they have proper internet connectivity and speed and everything else to support that. And we do have validation. We've actually created our own speed test and we can run that for any of our potential people moving to home. And that's worked effectively. However, that allows us to spread people out more than six foot distance easily uh, between contact center agents because we've taken people out of that mix. So those are some of the things that we've done. At this point in time, we have 13,000 remote workers at home on our systems and, and working well. Right. So when you go through such a dramatic change in the way you work, uh, going essentially from a campus-based workforce to a remote workforce, at least as far as the non-clinical staff is concerned, what have been some of the challenges you've faced, both from a standpoint as well as from a technology standpoint, for that matter? Well, I would say, Patty, challenges we've had, we, we have a lot of radiologists that do work from home with high-speed connectivity to their homes, high-resolution monitors. We call them barco monitors. I think they're pretty standard in the industry. We have a number of those people, and we are actually more than doubling the size of the, the folks working from home. So that adds new challenges to make sure they have adequate bandwidth, adequate facilities, proper security of the devices at home those types of things. With our employees working from home, of course, we still are very cognizant of PHI and making sure that data is protected. And, you know, folks, if you're using either Zen desktop or VDI, all of the work goes on back in your data center or in the cloud, wherever you're connecting to. So it really does add that layer of protection that information isn't sitting on someone's home equipment, if you will. Very easy to, to install that connectivity and uh, in most cases, in a matter of minutes, people are up and functioning as long as they have adequate bandwidth. Right. And you mentioned uh, the extra caution around uh, 
securing the data, I have to ask, are you seeing any uh, increased uh, threats from cyber attacks uh, in this current situation? Are you being uh, extra vigilant about any of that? Uh, anything you can share? Well, I, I would say we do have surveillance systems that are in place. Uh, I have not um, received any uh, through our, our CISO or the Information Security Office, any new attack vectors that I'm aware of. Uh, although I've been reading just cursory time when you get a few seconds in between meetings where there are increased attacks that are occurring. And I understand that when there is a potential for vulnerability, the bad guys always want to look at uh, new ways to attack and leverage their cause, unfortunately. We have not seen an uptick on that. We do have endpoint security, which is very strong to minimize or mitigate the spread of malware. That's worked well for us. But most importantly, I think is is the network surveillance that goes on all the time through an MSSP. Uh, there's a cloud-based solution and it's worked well for us. So knock on wood, fortunately we have not seen those increased attacks. If we have, they've been snuffed or uh, we're just not allowed to occur. So thankfully that is the case for us so far. That's great to hear, that's great to hear. So uh, switching to the front-end uh, technologies, the, the ones that you use for engaging with your patients, Obviously, telehealth is now front and center uh, because you want to try and avoid uh, in-person contact uh, in the current situation unless it's absolutely necessary, and you don't want people coming in uh, unless it's absolutely necessary. So have you seen an uptick in telehealth visits, and how, how are your platforms coping with that? Yes. Actually, we've seen a tremendous increase, probably a 500% increase in telehealth visits, and our platforms are physicians are all being trained as we speak now. It's been happening all week, but they've been trained in proper technique. So we have a thousand new providers that are going to be doing telehealth visits. And so whether that's in the office or in their home settings, they will be able to do those telehealth consultation visits. We have, we pulled uh, roughly a thousand iPads for them. Not all will need them in their home settings as long as they're enabled with their, their PC at home with a camera and have audio headsets, they can do the telehealth visits. It's actually, I think this is a crisis situation where good opportunities will come out of this. I'm hopeful that, you know, the relaxation of payments by commercial insurances, Medicare, Medicaid, and our state Medicaid has paid the same for telehealth visits for a number of years in Pennsylvania as an in-person visit. But I would, I would hope that this is the changing tipping point, if you will, for people that really utilize telemedicine. We see it in a crisis, how it works. We can see it works effectively in day-to-day -day settings. So I think this is a new opportunity. And so out of every crisis, a new opportunity arises. I believe telemedicine is the new opportunity for us. And I'm actually excited about it. It was interesting because in our situation, we have patients in our ICU that may be nearing end of life because of this disease and connectivity for family members. Of course, you know, if, if a person is at the end stage, a family member can come in. But we, for the most part, have stopped visitors from coming into our facilities to mitigate or stop the spread of this disease or infecting other patients in the facility. So, you know, we will utilize telemedicine. Uh, we will utilize links into our EICU system and be able to provide that for people at home to talk to their loved ones. And hopefully they're not at the end of life and they do recover from this. Right. No, that's great. How is the technology itself holding up uh, against this surge in uh, usage? 
Actually, very well, because I did mention we're using uh, VDI in our cases, or people may be using Zen Desktop. It is really sending a minimal amount of data back and forth. And when I looked at our internet pipes just yesterday, and I look at them daily and see the trends, and we have not spiked up. We do have three major internet providers coming into our organization that do have the ability to burst and go considerably higher if necessary. But honestly, I am surprised with 13,000 people at home, uh, radiologists moving to home, and contact center agents that we have not spiked considerably. We may have gone up about 25% on our usage, but we still have a lot of capability. So I expected more, to be honest with you, but uh, seeing very pleasant results here, and uh, our systems have been doing very well. And I am knocking on wood as I say that because I don't want to jinx myself. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I hear you. No, that's great. That's great. What about the IT organization itself, John? You know, these are new times, and uh, have you had, you know, has there been any impact to your day-to-day operations in the data center or, or anything else that is going on? And, and what kind of adjustments you had to make, uh, you know, to respond to the crisis and to support sure. that, but also to keep the lights on, as they say? You know, I think as every other health system that's going to, uh, to evaluate themselves against this, we have tried to minimize disruption uh, operations. We have not disrupted our service desk. has been doing very, very well. We try to shunt calls uh, when we have information we can communicate. Communication is the key for us and getting proper communication out to people. For example, when we started this tele- telemedicine expansion, we've set up on our ACD, our automated call distribution, we have a menu item that says, if you, you are calling about a telehealth problem, we have set up a special small group of technology people uh, support that we can just shunt those calls right off to that group and not bog down our service desk. So they can handle day-to-day requests and operations. Operations as far as our data center has been working very smooth. I think part of the challenge is because we're looking at new and creative ways to tackle this problem that I've had to kind of put a hold on some of our implementation projects. We have six enterprise implementation systems going simultaneous, including CRM and billing systems and everything else. And we've not really stopped them, but we have reprioritized our work for this period of time. And and we're going on two weeks now running full blast, and I don't see it stopping anytime soon. I know we'll go full blast right through the weekend. We have people working, unfortunately, in some cases, 16 and 17 hour days. And, And we're not the only ones. I get that. Everybody's doing this. So, you know, at some point, we've got to give our staff rest time and we want to do that, but we, you know, the patient and our providers are top of mind for us. And, um, you know, interesting because I'm the CIO for the health plan and the health system. I've been pulling resources from my health plan and augmenting for our health system, which is beneficial. Not everyone has that luxury, but it's been working for us so far, Patty. Oh, thank you. Thank you for that update. So you said that from every crisis, uh, a new opportunity arises. So just as a, an initial thought, how do you think uh, healthcare is going to get reshaped uh, as a consequence of uh, this crisis? You mentioned telehealth. Do you think that telehealth is going to become more and more mainstream as an example? Any initial thoughts, anything that comes to your mind? Actually, you know, we're all looking at digital, right? So how do we do digital technology? How do we provide the best service for our customer? I think this is the opportunity. We are doing it. Telehealth is one area, but you know, reach outs, uh, capabilities to make the process smoother to enable them to get care. Even if it's in the setting, whether it's in a, an ambulatory setting or an acute setting, 
using technology to leverage that. I think that is going to be really, really important. I've heard from leaders all over our organization. They are they're blown away by the level of support they've received from information technology and information services throughout this entire process. They never expected we could respond like this. And they, they are just so thankful. And I'm sure every organization is hearing the same thing because we're all hardworking, good people. So I think it's exciting. I think it was Winston Churchill says, never miss the opportunity, right? A good crisis, don't, don't miss the opportunity for innovation, doing things that are a new way of doing things. And that's what we're doing here now. And I think it's going to only continue. It's an upward trajectory for us. Unfortunately, lives are, are at stake, but we're doing everything we can with technology to support that. Oh, that's so well said. Never waste a crisis. John, I really, really appreciate you taking the time. And I want to I want to extend my deepest gratitude to healthcare workers all across the country for all that they're doing in responding to this crisis. And I think we're going to be forever indebted to all of them. I really appreciate you taking the time and uh, all the very best to you and your team. Patty, if I could put in one plug for my fellow CIOs, I happen to be the chairman of CHIME. And, uh, and I know there is a lot of work going on behind the scenes for policy and uh, in communication to CHIME members. And I think that team works extremely hard to support our CHIME members. And, uh, and so a lot of these initiatives, telehealth, you know, national patient identifier, things that we're going to need for the future, CHIME is working, really working hard to help support us to push that forward. So I just wanted to give acknowledgement to them because that team, while it's very small, is very agile. And they've done fantastic work. So I am really honored to be the chairman of the board for that group. And I think this will help us as well for my fellow colleagues, you know, colleagues and, and members of IT. So thank you. Thank you. No, and thank you for mentioning that. And I do think uh, they deserve the mention. So thank you again, John. I appreciate it very much. My pleasure. Thank you, Patty. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Subscribe to our podcast series at www.thebigunlock.com and write to us at info at thebigunlock.com.